reading this morning is out of Genesis. Genesis chapter 13, we'll be reading verses 5 through 18. If you would please stand with me. Turn in your pew Bibles to page 18. We're continuing in our story of Abraham. Genesis 13, 5 through 18. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. Quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abraham said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw the whole plain of Jordan toward Zeor was well watered like a garden of the Lord, like in the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked, and they were sinning greatly against the Lord. Then the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are, to the north and south, to the east and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring would be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abraham went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. You may be seated. So Steve, Steve and Andrew and I are chuckling a little bit. <clears throat> you know, we, every once in a while we do these sermon in a sentence, right? Do you guys like that? Yeah. Sermon in a sentence? Okay. <laughs> so, so I'm going to show you my notes for my sermon today. You ready? <laughs> so I'm going to read this little sermon in a sentence up here, and then we'll see where God takes us, right? How exciting. So the title of what we're getting into today is Know Your Battles. And oftentimes we can take that phrase and we can think of, okay, well that equates to pick your battles, right? You've got to pick your battles. But that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about knowing your battles, understanding them, what you're facing, what you're in. Not, you've got to pick your battles. Because quite honestly, the Bible does tell us in, in 
um, Ephesians chapter 6, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, and the rulers of darkness. So it's a spiritual context in what Paul's talking about in Ephesians. There's a physical world that we live in, and there's a spiritual world that we live in. And that spiritual world weaves its way through into our physical life that we end up in battles. And so we can say, you know, you better pick your battles. Part of what we read this morning was about Abraham and Lot, and they grew, the Lord blessed them, their herdsmen started fighting and and quarreling amongst one another, and so if you know that Bible story, then you probably know it from a perspective of, well, Abraham was trying to keep some peace between the two, so they separated to kind of give space, because sometimes space as we've learned maybe through the holidays and all family getting together, space is a good thing. (laughs) We're close family. Distance is nice. Right? We've all been there. We all understand that. And so if you know that Bible story, then sometimes that's kind of how you look at it, that, that Abraham's trying to keep the peace in the family. But we all know that sometimes keeping peace can be the hardest battle. Today what we're talking about is knowing your battles, understanding them. And so we're going to take a look at this story from a standpoint of how Abram saw his life at that point in time. Okay? Here's the sermon in a sentence. Always remember whose you are. How God sees you and where He's taking you. In knowing, understanding the context and the focus and the purpose of the battle that you're in, always remember whose you are, how He sees you, and where He's taking you. Abram his view of what was taking place in this particular portion of Scripture can be found in verse 7. And it seems like the oddest sentence dropped in this entire passage. Here it is. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at this time. Now, if you, there again, if you know this Bible story, you may go, and what has that got to do with the peace that Abram was trying to keep in his family? Okay, let's look at it like this. So Abram just gets back from Egypt, right? Now, why did he go to Egypt? Oftentimes we'll just say because there was a famine in the land, and so he went to Egypt, right? That's not why Abraham went to Egypt. Abraham went to Egypt because he didn't trust the God that took him into the promised land to provide for him. That's why he went to Egypt. The famine was a physical condition that moved him out of his spiritual blessing. Do you see what I'm saying? That's why he went to Egypt. So he goes to Egypt, and yes, things multiplied. His gold, his silver, his his herds, his, his cattle... 
But he came back to the promised land thankful that he was alive. Because Pharaoh could have... Right? So he's looking at this from a perspective of, I came back to the Negev, and he had left the Negev to go to Egypt because of the famine, but he went back to the Negev exactly where he had left from. He went back to the place where he built the altar to the Lord and got settled back on solid ground. So he's back in the promised land, and guess what? Herds begin to multiply. Blessings begin to come. Family begins to grow. Dissension comes. He comes back and he's in the middle of the promised land. And who's there? The Canaanites and the Perizzites. Amongst other people. But these are the two the scripture names in this point. These two groups of people also enjoy land, territory, wealth. And here's the new guy on the block, Abraham and his family, who are loaded down with wealth, cattle, and there's a battle in the midst of them. If you're the new person in a territory where other people would love to have your stuff, are you going to separate Probably not, because you want to keep as many people together as you can. Strength in numbers, right? So if people are going to come in and look at taking my stuff and take over, when I'm the new guy in here that told, was told by the Lord that, you know what, this is now my land and not yours, there's going to be some conflict. So, so to divide the family isn't necessarily the smartest thing to do. At the same time, God had promised Abraham that he was going to bless him with all of this land. And he was going to give it to all of his descendants. Remember, Abraham didn't have any descendants. So Abraham is in this position thinking, I have no children, I have no descendants, I've been given this promise. There are people groups around me that want to take us away, take us out to take my things. But I have to believe this promise that God has given me that he's going to multiply me in the midst of all of this. I just got back from Egypt, luckily with my life, because I didn't believe God in the first place. But He's brought me back to the exact place from which I left. Will I trust Him or won't I trust Him? So Abraham's step of faith in this particular situation is to divide, to allow Lot to pick and choose. Because Abraham's moving in faith. I believe that God's going to give me this land. I'm going to expand. Do you see now more so the battle that Abraham was in? Am I going to trust God to expand and be faithful to the promises that He's given me? Or won't I? This wasn't about keeping peace in the family. Abraham took it a step further. Lot, you pick. You pick which land. Because I believe so much in what God has promised me that you could give me a mound of dirt and I will be blessed. 
This is in Hebrews, when, when the writer of Hebrews talks about the faith of Abraham. This is an example of that. This is a snapshot. It doesn't matter where you plant me, because who I am, how God sees me, and where He's taking me, is like money in the bank. Abraham having faltered with Egypt has an understanding that God is faithful and true. In the middle of him leaving the promised land, God still blessed him. He blessed him with material things and he gave him his life and his wife and sent him back and said, look, you know, Abraham, let's forget these things. Let's come back and reset at this one point and let's move on. And it moved on in a great way they did because further expansion, further blessing. But then there comes a point in time when we have a battle in front of us and we have to choose. Are you going to walk by faith in the personhood of who God created you to be or not? Are you going to trust that God will protect you? Are you going to trust that no matter what you have, the lesser of the land than the green pastures, that God is still going to bless that and move on and take you further. Abraham got a much better picture of who he was and how God saw him and where he was taking him. Because at the end of the passage that we read this morning, God continues on in His promise to Abraham. Lift up your eyes from where you are. Look to the north, south, east, and west. All the land that you see I will give you and your offspring forever. Again, another promise to Abraham of something that he did not have. Offspring. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the land, the length and the breadth of it, for I am giving it to you. God reiterates His promises along the path. We'll call it, oh, there's a sign of confirmation. Okay, I know I'm still on the right path. This lines up and this lines up and I'm hearing this again. But see, that's God and that's how He works. That's how He does things. Confirmations. Points of going, yes, I'm still on the right path. We're still doing the right thing. An interesting point is that we, we at times look at it like if God is blessing me materially, physically, then, then it's good. Then I'm on the right path. But you know what? If At points... If we're in that quandary, not quandary, but if we're in that position of, of choosing, and we go, okay, Lot, you can choose the good land or the not-so-good land. Sometimes we think if God's really blessing us, then we're going to get the green pastures, and that's where we want to go. That's what we want to do. That's perfect. That's not it. Because we know that as the story goes, Lot chose that land. The green pastures. 
Do you know where those green pastures were located? Yes, they're near Sodom and Gomorrah. He was facing Sodom and Gomorrah. But more importantly, and more in understanding our promised land, that land was on the edge of the promised land. Abraham went on into Hebron, right? Hebron was deeper into the promised land. Not out on the fringe. The land that wasn't so green and lush and well-watered was deeper into the promised land. And God took that land and He blessed it. You can't look at what God is doing and take in the places that He's taking you in, in your life just on the surface. God made the land. He can turn it green if He wants to, right? Right? But, but do we believe that? Do we see that? Here's another question. At points in our minds, are those things even options? And sometimes it's not. Because we're not used to thinking that way. We can look at our day and go, wow, you know, I've got tons of meetings. I've got all this stuff to do. All these things to meet with. All this stuff to prepare for. Looking at our schedule in the morning and going, man, if I could just skip Tuesday and move right to Wednesday, I'd be great. Not realizing that there are things that God can do that make Tuesday absolutely wonderful. He can change meetings. He can rework your schedule. He can do anything. That is something that quickly can come off of our tongue and run through our lips. But do we really believe it? Would God move in your life in a supernatural way for your benefit. Would he? If we ask him, if we let him, if we start thinking along those lines, and that's all that I'm saying is allow your heart and mind to be open up to understand God is in control. He will do things on your behalf for you to be and do everything that He's created you to be and do. If it happens to you once, it's like, oh man, what is going on? Something's happening. If it happens twice, it really gets your attention. You're like, okay, there's something, I don't know. That, and then you get to this point where as it continues to happen and the flow of who God is and the Holy Spirit moving in your life, it opens up to a whole nother level of being. Not that there is an arrogant expectation that I am all that in a bag of chips and God needs to move on my behalf. That'll send you to Egypt real quick. <laughs> but there is an expectation and an understanding and a joy that I have to know that the God of all creation, the one who calls me son and I father, is for me. He's for me. 
He has given me a purpose in life, and He is helping that purpose come into being so that others see Him and have that same opportunity that I have. Knowing our battles. Knowing that God is moving me to a promised land. That there is, there is a purpose He has for my life. And that there is an enemy that is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour to stop me from becoming and to becoming that person. Fulfilling that calling. Doing that purpose. So the wisdom and the discernment that I need in what's going on around me so that I might be able to battle to make the right choices through the power of the Holy Spirit, to become that person is my battle. That's why I said, it's remembering whose you are. God Almighty, the one that created heaven and earth, can send rain, snow, sunshine. How does He see you? And where is He taking you? That's important to know. Abraham understood those things. And he was going in that direction. So he walked through the land. And what did he do? He built an altar. He built an altar. Those are points of honoring the Lord. Points of remembering what God has done. Remembering what God or where God was taking him. What God had given him. You guys know I'm visual. I have things all over the place that I just reminds me of things. Whether if it's a rock that Julie gave me that sits on my desk about, she came in to, to my office one day at work in Virginia, set a rock down on my desk, and she's like, this rock right here is simply to remind you that you can kill the giants in front of you. There sits that rock. My desk at home is this little antique plow. Horse-drawn little antique plow. I mean, you know, it's a toy little thing. But it reminds me that in seasons of my life, I am to plow. And there are seasons in life where God is going to run a plow up my back. Because there's some things that need to be furrowed. Because you know what? He wants to plant something. He wants to put something in my life that's going to blossom, that's going to spring up, that's going to reproduce. Visually understanding where God is taking you, Abraham built an altar to remind him. In honor to the Lord and to praise Him, but to remind him of where God was taking him, of what God had given him, of who He was and what was promised to him. It's okay, church, to build altars. It's okay to have those symbolic things to help you understand what God is doing with you. Where He is taking you. Because there's times when we get off course and we get distracted and, and things get overwhelming and you just have to stop and go, man, what... I need to get back to the foundation. 
I need to get back to where my head was clear, where I could see things right, where I was discerning correctly. Build an altar. Have those things. This is why when, when we started talking weeks ago and, and even years ago, we, we, we talked about why and how God made us and our portraits and our purposes and, and those things. They're so foundational to what's going on around us. And they're so key in moving through the battles that the enemy brings against us. Because I know where I'm going. I know the direction I'm heading. I know what God wants to teach me in this season. All of those things are so vital. Those things don't change. What are the promises that God's given you? They are alive and they are true. Believe them. God has something better for you. Things are going to move quickly. Blessings are coming. All of the, and they can be corporately, they can be individually. Blessings are coming. Tough times are ahead. We talked about that before COVID hit. But there's things to understand that God is speaking to us and He's sharing things with us that lead us to the point of where He wants to take us. There are are characteristics about God that can apply to your very life right now which you can look at as promises. Guess what? God is a restorer. He's a repairer of the breach. When things start falling apart, that means that God will come back and He will restore that breach. He will raise you above the floods. You might be in a fire right now, but you will not be burned. The flames will not overtake you. Those are promises. You can take those and apply them into your life. God is taking us to a promised land. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I know He is taking us to a place that it is good. I'm not saying it's going to be easy to get there. But where we're going is good. Where you're going, personally, is good. Is it going to take some work? Yeah. But you're not alone. Yet another promise. Always remember whose you are. How He sees you and where He's taking you. How He sees you. Romans chapter 8. You are more than a conqueror. Revelation chapter 2. You're an overcomer. John, 1 John chapter 4. You are one who overcomes. Let me read that. 1 John chapter 4. Verse 4. You, dear children. And don't you just love that? It's like God just grabs you and embraces you. Dear children. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You, dear children, are of God 
and you're an overcomer. You have overcome them. Them, and this is a huge whole teaching right here. That word them is talking about, and John is talking about the spirits of this world. He's talking about the spirits of this world. The spirits that have, or the spirits that are a part of the false prophets that have gone into the world. That's what John's talking about. He's not talking about physical things. He's talking about spiritual things. And remember earlier, we had talked about that this life is a spiritual battle. In 1 John, John is telling us, you dear children are from God and have overcome the spirits of this world who are leading and dictating the words of the false prophets. That's what he's talking about. You have overcome them. Because the one Jesus who lives in you his spirit is greater than the one that lives in the world. That, though, is a picture of the fight in the battle that we're in. That's why I'm saying it's not about picking which fight you want to get into, because let me tell you, the enemy is coming to your doorstep. The fight's coming to you. So it's not about picking which fight you want. It's knowing the battle and being the victor and the overcomer and the conqueror in the middle of that fight. You're the one, through the power of Jesus Christ and the power of His Holy Spirit, that brings the victory. You're the one that walks and lives in the win column and not the loss column. On your way deeper into the promised land that God has for you. Know your battles. Know your battles. Know who you are. Know whose you are. And know where you're going. Lord God, I ask you to bless each one of us with knowledge and wisdom and discernment. Father, I ask You to allow us to spiritually see and understand the situations that we're in, the battles that we are facing. Father, I ask for Your strength to supernaturally pour down upon us. Father, for us to be able to withstand the attacks and to stand against the enemy. Father, I ask You, when our knees are weak and our arms are tired, I ask You to just encourage us to bring confirmation to our hearts and our souls. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that a, a hedge of protection comes around each person here, each family represented, each person that is listening by Facebook, on the internet. Father, that Your Spirit protect us. Father, give us wisdom and insight. Father, in the heat of the battle, give us an understanding of whose we are. Help us to never forget how much You care for us and how much You love us. Lead us, God, into the path of victory. Lead us deeper into the promised land that You've given us. Father, remind us of the promises that You've given us. May we never forget Father, may those promises just be etched into our hearts that our souls would not forget. 
And Father, I ask You to give us the vision to understand the things that You're sharing with us. Father, give us strategies, instructions on how to fight and how to win our battles and the wars that we're in. Father, amidst it all, allow our hearts to be at peace Father, and at rest, knowing that we are Yours. Father, take us. Take us further into our promised land. God, we love You, and we worship You. In Jesus' name, amen.